0: Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Welcome to the podcast that scored just as many goals against the Nashville Predators over the weekend as the Dallas Stars. It is time to do a little bit of stargazing, and to start, we have an announcement. We are getting healthy. The podcast is seeing some talent come off the IR, and then we're joined by by Taylor tonight. Taylor, how are you?
1: <laughs> I'm right. better without that little dig there at the beginning, but it's like otherwise good. Wow. You know,
0: we don't pull harsh, it punches. But true. <laughs> I'm just trying to to summarize the situation and the feeling of Stars Demand. Is there is there any more Dallas Stars sequence than getting shut out in a must-win overtime loss and immediately following it with four goals in another overtime loss? Your
1: 2021 Dallas Stars, ladies and
0: gentlemen. I mean, you cry because it's the only alternative to laughter, it's it's been a it's been a ride, and sadly, um, it looks like you know the 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 um, the Undertaker is still you know he's still in in his his little office, and they haven't sealed any caskets yet. So there, but we have officially reached the realm of you know really straining the credibility of the word technically to consider the Dallas Stars as a contender for the uh, fourth and final playoff spot in the Disco. You know, two two kind of crushing decisions, and um, you know, two decisions that leave the Dallas Stars four points adrift of Nashville, two points back, one game in hand, but losing the tiebreaker. So at this stage, effectively, Dallas would need to pick up the equivalent of five points over the Predators, of course, because a tie is not going to get the job done, and that's bad. But I want to start with a little bit broader of a topic. And, you know, we've all been watching this this slow motion train wreck develop over the past couple of months. And, you know, pick pick a media outlet and pick a snarky commenter. And you hear a lot of stuff about, you know, the the nature of this season and whether it counts and how real it is and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm just going to hit you with the hard question first, Taylor. How much, it, you know, put your put your your Jim Nil mustache of authority on for just a second and tell me how much this season matters.
1: I mean, I don't think there's ever a season that's played that doesn't matter because it does alter your course, your your organization's flow, as it were, into the future. Because you know, some guys developed more, some guys maybe took a step backwards. Um, but I think holistically, if I take a step back and I really truly look at the the fact that the Dallas Stars played a shortened season in which. The entire country and world were in the midst of a global pandemic for a virus that we still just don't really have quite a good grasp on, and we still don't know the long term effects of. Um, after your initial like outbreak and you know recovery from that, and has killed you know th- hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people. And from a human perspective, I don't see how. If you're Jim Nill and the Dallas Stars organization, you're not just proud of the fact that you made it through the season, and I think that's a testament to literally every player, um, coach, staff, equipment manager, trainer, whatever in this entire league getting to the end of an NHL season under all of these conditions. Um, so I, you know, it's it's tough. I think because when you look at the timing of this type of environment with the Dallas Stars' core players, and you kind of start looking towards the future. You know, now that they're essentially dead in the water, um, you know, and you obviously start thinking about well, the expansion draft, and you know what holes is the organization going to try to draft to, um, you know, in the in the pro, in the prospect draft, and then you know, and then free agency and what does this team look like next year? And Sagan is another year older. Ben is another year older. Bishop is another year older. Half of those guys were injured this year (laughs) for significant chunks of time. Radulov, same situation. Pavelski is coming up near the end of his um, contract with the stars. And it, and Khabib and all these guys that have been big pieces of the culture and um, the machinations of this team recently, and you and you start to wonder, you know, how do you how do you balance that out against the performance this year and really know what your team is when a they were never healthy, b they played the most ridiculous schedule they will ever play in their lives probably, and c you had so many pieces out. And how do you, how do you evaluate your coaching staff? How do you evaluate your special teams? How do you evaluate your goaltending, your prospects, the guys that sat on the taxi squad all year and didn't really see game action, but couldn't get sent to the AHL because of quarantine rules. And how do you evaluate your AHL team knowing that they were missing a bunch of key pieces that they probably would have had for most of the year? And Uh, I organizationally, I don't know how NHL teams look at this other than to say, you know what, this year just doesn't count. Well,
0: <laughs> and and for those of you listening, have no fear. We are in fact going to make a bunch of wild, baseless uh, conclusions about what has happened. But before we do dive in, I want to echo, you know, what you said, and, and very much agree with, you know, whatever else gets taken out of this season, and however you evaluate the play on the ice, and the you know the the kind of thinking behind the bench, and whatever pieces you want to. You know, whatever observations you need to, and I'll say need to, because I do think there are some legitimate questions raised and some things to to address about the Dallas Stars, even with the wonkiness of the season. I I do think it is worth mentioning over and over and over again that there is, you know, through everything, right, this team never quit. They would, you know they've been played out of the building many times, right. And, and had, had their ups and had their downs and, you know, we're, we're kind of a a walking wounded at times. But if if there was one thing that, that this team should really get a lot of credit for this season, it's that no matter what, right. They picked themselves up and competed the next game and whether it was, you know, with Jason Dickinson playing number one center, playing the the eternal will he, won't he play game with with Heinz that was with hints that was so much fun that that Klingberg and, and seemingly the rest of the roster decided to join in. Like despite everything, this is a team that that very easily could have packed it up a month and a half ago and said, you know what, the hole's too deep, the the road's too tough, let's just, you know, Let's just take it easy. Avoid any further pain. Let's start shutting some guys down and let's start thinking for the future. And and they didn't. And I think that that if, you know, before we get into anything else, it's worth stopping and repeating that this team never gave up, um, continued to push, continued to try. And from a, you know, culture and, and accountability and personnel perspective, there's, you know, nothing but high marks for for this iteration of the Dallas Stars because they had they had every excuse and instead they they played a tough division down to the wire and you know it's probably over right but the fact that we're heading into the the last handful of games and it's it's they you know Nashville doesn't have the the dreaded little tick mark that says they've they've con, you know confirmed qualification behi- beside their name is is really a testament to the the Dallas Stars organization at all levels
1: yeah, and I want to read this for for anyone listening that doesn't read the thirty one thoughts that Elliot Friedman publishes at Sportsnet. Which, if you don't, that is must read every week. Um, if if you if you love hockey, like it's it's such a great just snapshot of some of the behind the scenes things happening around the entire league. Um, and in his posting on Tuesday, May fourth, he said this about the Dallas Stars. I don't know if a team is ever exempt from criticism, but I find it really hard to be critical the stars not making it should that occur. A large outbreak, the first one, incredibly condensed schedule, the Texas power grid failure that led to some players' team employees having their houses flooded and needing temporary homes. That team is banged up on fumes and has given everything it's got. And you know, it's funny because I see a lot of comments because I do run the social media. Yes, that's right. If you are cursing out the defending big D Twitter page, you are cursing out a woman.
0: Come Enjoy at me, that. bro.
1: Um, <laughs> come at me, bro. Um, but, <laughs> um, but like I see a lot about the mediocrity and the culture of mediocrity that this team has. And, and I just don't see it that way. Um, I think that was a very valid criticism of the team back. Gosh, like how many years ago was that? Like it was before Jim Neal's ten- tenure. Um, kind of like towards the end of the Crawford years and into bankruptcy and league ownership and all that good jazz. Um, but they basically talked about how Dallas was a cult, a country club type culture, and they weren't like they were. Ha- they were fine with not really pushing for playoffs and whatever um and I just don't see that as the team culture anymore um you know and maybe that's partly because you know as a media member I do get access to practices and and I've been in the locker room and I've talked to some of the guys off the record about just things um and you know and maybe it's because you hear the stories that we don't always get to share because they are off the record um, about things that these guys go through to be able to play. And I, I just, I think when you sit down and you really evaluate this year, I think one thing that's absolutely valid is, you know, the fact that the stars can't score. That is a trend that has occurred, not just this season, but, has been happening for years and years but even but actually when you look at it this year they somehow improved in the scoring department something we've been asking and begging for but it doesn't feel like they have (laughs) because somehow they keep going to overtime and losing um and and, you know and but like the slow start that has been something that has been a hallmark of this team for the past couple of years and like i think those are valid things like things Having to do with the structure that they play, the type of hockey they play, the usage of players in game and between games, and and oh my gosh, we will be dissecting the goaltender um, decisions made this year for like for the next four months. But um, I think all of that is valid criticism, but at the same time, like some of it's tough to parse between you know, things that have been trends for a while, but also just the fact that they were playing four games in seven nights for like seven or eight plus weeks straight. And so like, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it, I just, I, I think it is really hard when you look at all of the things that Dallas had this year that they had to go up against. And I will fight until the bitter end that we never truly saw the real Dallas stars this year maybe the first like two games where they came off to like such a rip-roaring start and absolutely demolished Nashville that was a long time ago feels like feels like a lifetime but they actually did do that and and then he got hurt and then from there I was like we never saw the real Dallas stars again
0: yeah for me I think the tipping point was um the tipping point for me was the Rajiloff injury. And, and let's get into the nuts and bolts a little bit. So, you, you know, scoring has been an issue. And one of the things that we've talked about in a couple of different iterations of this class, cast, right? It's been, you know, in Mark cast and Logan casts and, and a, bunch of different, a, do, a bunch of different co-pilots. We've talked about Dallas's structure and how this is a team that is sort of rigidly organized to play a certain way and to function within, you know, certain pathways, right? And when it works, it works like gangbusters, and you make the Stanley Cup final, and, and everything's kind of clicking. But one element that that has really been missing this season, I think they got, what was it, 11 games um, out of Alexander Radulov, something like that. The the best The best versions of this team have always had the one kind of chaos agent um, on the team that, that doesn't necessarily play within that system, right? They've always had somebody, you know, and this is even dating before errors. I tease Tiffin about this all the time. It it kind of started with Alice Hemsky in a way. And and you know, from him the ceremonial baton Passed to like Zuccarello for for his brief cup of coffee with the team, and then Radulov more recently. But this team has always excelled when they have, for the most part, right buy-in on the system and execution of the system, with the occasional flourish and crazy of a of a, a high you know high-end independent contractor. And one of the things that really st- stuck out this season was. Without Alex Radulov in the lineup, and, and certainly there were plenty of other offensive pieces that were missing, but without him serving that role, it felt like this particular lineup was prone to having those nights, you know, the Detroit 50, right, where they they get tons of shots. And this, this team becomes prone to having those head-scratching, like, how did they lose this losses, and, you know, I think it also shows an overtime a little bit. You, you have this approach that is sort of predicated on starting overtime with, you know, with Jason Dickinson, Essa Lindell, uh, you know, and, and I think Erratic Fox was you know, the first three outer, you know, basically electing to, to defer the kickoff. And it, it felt like as we get into talking about, you know, maybe some lessons we can learn, it felt like the one area that this team really did seem to struggle was – their inability to switch gears when plan a wasn't working right when they got behind when they you know turtled too early when something like that happened and and is that do in in your opinion do you think that is in any way a fair read of this roster
1: oh i think it absolutely is i think one thing that i have been banging the drum on is that this team doesn't have enough playmakers and i think that's Mm -hmm. kind of what you you allude to is like I see Alexander Radulov as a playmaker because yes, he can score goals and he does that quite often, but he's out there and he's opening up the space and he's drawing guys out of their defensive structure to open up plays for his, his line mates. And to me, that's what, a, lot, a playmaker is. It's not just being able to make a solid pass, which also Radulov can do. Yeah, um, but, spoiler,
0: he does that. Yeah, he does that just spoiler,
1: fine. Spoiler, <laughs> he does it all. Um, you know, but he's also like, he's also a ferocious back checker too. Like, he goes hard on four check and back check. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually an underrated part of Alexander Radulov's um, game, but I digress. Um,
0: but yeah, no, he's, so, he's the guy that you can't, when he's out on the ice, you can't drag ass because you know you're going to look bad. Like whether, and sometimes he goes over the line and the, the, you know, offensive zone penalties are an issue, but Radulov is one of those conscience guys and it's good to have a conscience guy in the top six, because if you're, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is not me blasting the effort of any of the other elite players. It's just that every human being, right. Has nights where it takes longer to get going and, you know, they get tired and, and any, you know, insert any. You know, rational human excuse here, but w- when you have a buzzsaw on the line with you, you're going to give it just a little bit more because you don't want to you don't want to be the one asshole that's not skating, frankly.
1: But it's not just on your line; it's just in your locker room. It's it's what you know he brings to on the bench. Like he's not he's a very vocal person in general, um, and I think that uh, part of part of it with having so many fins on the rosters oh my gosh they're so quiet <laughs> um and so like they but they aren't that vivacious on on the bench like i'm sure they're communicating with their teammates and with their line mates but not the same manner in which Radulov does um and also Radulov is just kind of like a tasmanian devil out there he just goes out there and he just causes complete re- havoc and then he comes back on the bench and then he like just you know, he will mount off to the other team while he's sitting on the bench. Like he brings an energy that is sorely lacking um, when he's not in the lineup. Because Dallas just doesn't have a lot of guys that are like that. They have Jamie Ben is a lead by example type player. He's never been the cheerleader, and so well, and I think
0: to your point as well, he's a lead by example, and he's also a lead within the system. And I want to be very clear that yes. that's not a that's not an insult that's not, that's not a limitation. Like you need more of those guys, right? He He's a guy that's going to do amazing things. He put the team on his back for a month and a half and almost got him into the playoffs, but he's, you're right. He is not the same. He he doesn't get you to the same place that, that, uh, that Radulov does.
1: Yeah. It's just an energy thing. And i and like, and I think that's what Zuccarillo had about him too, was he was, he was a little ball of energy out there. Like he just went out there and wheeled and you were just like, Oh, Hey, hello. And you noticed him and he, and it has, it has a ripple effect on everybody because you, while you don't want to be the one dragging ass on the line with him, you also don't want to go out on the next line change after him. And then it'd be very obvious that you're just not in it tonight. Um, you know, I think that also like Kent has those flashes of the playmaking ability So does Robertson, but those guys, like, they're, they're just, they're, they're not those established veterans in the way that Radulov is. And so they, you know, like, I think it's just like being a new person in your workplace. You don't want to rock the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're probably a ton quieter. I can guarantee you when I started my job at my office um, like six years ago, they all thought I was a super quiet person and <laughs> was like, I'm most definitely not. <laughs> like I am probably one of the loudest talkers you will ever meet because that's the family I grew up in. But like, I just didn't talk a lot because I didn't know anybody. I um, think it's kind of the same thing. So when you have rookies, you know, they're just like, they're the epitome of like, I'm just happy to be here. And it's like, they haven't established themselves enough to bring that same element like Radulov does because he's been in the game for a while and so but you know at the same time they can go out and they can be absolutely electrifying and you know and that's like one thing I think will be a constant what if for the 2021 season is what could Hence have done had he been fully healthy all season because he was on he's like on fire when he's in the lineup he's scoring at a pace that's like absurd
0: So let's let's dive in on that one a little bit. So, do you think that is is he just on an all time burner, or is this something that you think is going to sustain heading into next season?
1: I see it sustaining because he was like this in the playoffs. Um, You know, like in the in that St. Louis Blue series a couple years ago, um,
0: last year in the playoffs. Before he hurt his foot, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) It feels like every hit story
0: ends with before he got hurt.
1: But like he doesn't get hurt in like easy ways. It's it's not like, oh, I, you know, I dislocated my thumb and I can't play for a week. It's like I broke my ankle and <laughs> and then played on it the next game. Like, what? Um but yeah, so uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 oh man. It, I think that's as good a good reaction like to, to the Dallas stars Oh my gosh, right? Um, just I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I think it's sustainable. I think he's he's the push of the movement of like the next emerging core to me, um, which I think is going to be very important because when you look at the Dallas Stars and where they're where they're kind of set up, and um, I've been banging this drum for a little while. But I'm looking at this and I go, okay, so bonus is signed for another year. Ben and Sagan are coming up, you know, like in another year of their contracts. But they're, you know, another year older. Um, you've got Pavelski and Radulov and Kudobin and Cogliano and Como probably gone this this off season, unless Bonus really wants his comfort blankets, um,
0: you know. Don't but like, that, don't put that thought into the world. <laughs>
1: Okay look you've put some things out into this world so you know it's my turn to wield the power here um but you have to remember that all i have to do is talk shit on it and it doesn't happen because i have i have magical powers um but yeah so like you know and so as you look at this roster i think you're kind of looking at their last big push next year and i think you know with with an off season and guys able get healthy and a season that hopefully i think everybody is optimistically looking at as returning back to quote normal um as vaccination rates go up and by the way psa if you haven't got your vaccine please do so so that we can return to hockey as normal and we can have full buildings and we can be very excited and drink beers together and high five and yes i miss people um but yeah like so i think as as you know as we as we move to next season, you need hints to continue to perform. You need Jason Robertson to perform. You need Denny Garionov to get back into his swagger. Um, because realistically, there's not a lot of time left with that older co- veteran core on the team.
0: Yeah, it's 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 gonna be interesting. I think that extends to, you know, it's gonna be an interesting coaching challenge as well, because this is this is a team that has struggled to integrate new pieces. And it really, you know, it wasn't until sort of necessity stepped in this season. And, and I guess the playoffs before the bubble, the bubble team as well. But this is a team that has, has really kind of steadfastly clung to its security blankets. And, you know, look at Dennis Kuryanov's ice time over the years and, and, you know, Jason, Jason Robertson going back and forth from the taxi squad and, and hints as well, like this team doesn't like to, Put the, put the youngins out there any earlier than it has to. And from what I'm hearing, and, and I'm, I'm inclined to agree, right, that the path forward is is through the youth, potentially, right, at the very least, augmenting some of the the older pieces that we're talking about. And, and do you think that, you know, you mentioned bonus has one year left. Is, is this the coaching staff that's going to do that?
1: I'm going to preface this. I, I think it's one year left. It may be two years, but it's not. I can't remember if he signed for two or three years. But I wanna say it was only two. Um, sorry guys. It's it it's been uh it's been a year. We're in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic. I think I can be forgiven. Um, but no, yeah, I think that I think in a lot of ways this is probably gonna force a conservative organization like the Dallas Stars, who do like to over marinate to a degree their prospects. I think it's gonna force them to probably get more creative on that front because I don't think anybody would have anticipated a flat salary cap for the next several years coming out of this pandemic. And, you know, Jim Nill actually is for as much as we complain about his draft styles and also the success of his drafting He's actually got a pretty good ninja at salary cap management.
0: Oh, this, this is a, this is a, this is the Jim Nil salary cap stand podcast, by the way, he's, it's immaculate there there for just on this one specific topic. I, I, there've been no major missteps. This team has never found itself in, in absurd trouble with their, with their money.
1: Yeah, I mean, they might have given one extra year to a guy that you probably wouldn't have preferred that extra year be tacked on um, at probably a slightly higher salary rate than you would have necessarily wanted at that moment in time. But what Nilla has kind of actually been able to do is essentially build in extensions. Um, And that's why I don't wholly support the concept that Dallas has to somehow trade John Klingberg this Ugh. summer um, because they're not, they're not going to be able to afford Cleanberg and, and uh, in <laughs> at the same time because, you know, there's a lot of salary that's going to be coming off the books. And I think that essentially if you replace Como and Cogliano with Brett Gardner and Nick Kamano, who we saw start to get a lot more reps this year, um, and I think that might've been partially by design, but also partially because this team couldn't stay healthy to save their lives. Um, but those are very cheap alternatives for guys that can play that kind of third line checking role, um, better than them. And then guess what? That's like, that's like four or $5 million that you yep. get to dedicate just to Haskin extension.
0: So then that, that leads to the interesting question and, and a, um, you know something that's that's been making the rounds on Twitter since his return to the lineup. What do you think? You know, you just talked about how the easiest pathway to Dallas, kind of keeping the the band together, right, is you know moving on from from some of some some of you know, the older members, right, and and some of the guys that have higher cap hits. Is there the talent to do that? In particular, where do you put Joel Kiviranta on this on this line on this lineup?
1: So that is probably one of the biggest question marks that I have going into next year. And I think that a lot of that probably is predicated on whether Denny Guryanov bounces back or not. Um, because I think when Guryanov is going, having him on a line with Sagan and Ben would make for a phenomenal line. Actually, hell. At that rate, I don't even know where you if you can slot in Jason Robertson in the top. Well, you have to put Robertson in somewhere. So yeah, so like I think Dallas has some interesting pieces, unless and this is I think the biggest point of contention and probably is going to be subject for many, many a debate this year, which is what is Jamie Ben's role on this team in the future, because. I could make a very solid argument that if you were to manage load his time better during the season by playing him maybe in a bottom six role with uh, special teams play mm-hmm. that he would be fresher and you would get that beast mode Ben that you got in the playoffs last year. The reason why he was so good in those playoffs, honestly, was probably partly because he was able to be fully healed and like ready to go for the start of those playoffs. The NHL season is long and brutal. Um, so, yeah, you do have to wonder, like, could you do something like that? Would he accept a role like that? Be- and could you stomach paying a third-line type guy the amount of money that you're paying a Jamie again, but have a top six that features Pavelski, Sagan down the middle, then you get Robertson, Hintz, Radulov, and Kiyuranta.
0: Well, I think the the key there, right, is is he is not Ben is not the only one on this team that could benefit from load management, and if there's one thing that that the way that this season has evolved has taught us, it's that having options is better than not having options, and you know it, it, I think it all comes down to to production, and you know if if you can trim if you can trim the role, trim the minutes, find the power play time, and and put him in a position to produce, that that probably solves a lot of the other problems and, and as for the contract, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to hand, well, actually I, I take that back. I, I very much am hand waving it, right. It's it signed, it's done. And as, as valid as the point is that, you know, it's an awfully tough number to stomach paying a, you know, potential, you know, third line player, you know, stretch player we're talking about, I would counter that with, well, how much did the Stars pay Jamie Benn when he was winning Art Ross trophies? And, you know, combined with Tyler Sagan, literally the only two functional offensive pieces of the Dallas Stars forward core for a couple seasons. So it's, it's one of those like, yes, it's it's a contract built on past performance, but that past performance was kind of worth it, in my opinion. And, and then to your earlier point, it's not like. It's not like the Ben extension is going to cost the Dallas Stars a significant player, right? They don't have to move on from anything because of that contract. Nil has staggered his agreements in such a way that that, you know, significant pieces come off the books every season, just whenever they need to sign a new significant piece. So it's one of those. He earned it. He gets it. What what his role is moving forward needs to be much more about fit and function than some, you know, shouting at Cloud's exercise of, yeah, but he's making this much money. Well, okay, he is, you know, guess what? NHL contracts are guaranteed. He's going to, he's going to still be making that much money. And he can either be making that much money and producing and helping, or he can be making that much money and and not right. Which would you prefer?
1: Exactly. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm in your camp on that, on that one. Um, You know, for me, I just, I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Plus, he's, he's still really good, tough, man. but he's still I really mean... good.
1: Like, it's just it's more that I just think that a guy like him who has played that hard hitting power forward type role for a very long time, um, you know, it takes a toll on the body and he's not, you know, he's 30
0: ish. Yeah. And I mean, they're going to be he's matchup playing for like... a long time. There, there are going yeah. to be games when Jamie Benn is a better fit for how you need to win than Alex Radulov. Or when, you know, if, if, if Sagan is hitting posts and not getting a shot, or if Joe Pavelski can't get to the front of the net because, you know, whatever matchup you're throwing, right? He gives... Assuming health, right? He gives the Dallas Stars. We talked a little bit earlier about how how Radulov can kind of change the game in his certain way. Jamie Benn can do that in a slightly different way. And some nights that's going to be more valuable, and some nights it's not. And I think load management and is is just a you know the pace of the modern game, um, age of the players, you know, youth emerging in the roster. It certainly isn't worth forcing him into a role that, that gets, you know, Jason Robertson less of, of a feature. But then again, Jason Robertson's probably going to struggle in a sophomore season. Everybody does, it seems like. So isn't it awfully nice to have a, a big hulking insurance policy that can help you let a player like Jason Robertson or even this season, a player like Dennis Gurionov might have been better served with a little bit more infrastructure around him to, to kind of help through help through some of the growing pains in what is a very difficult league
1: now who's putting
0: things out there boom i'm just saying man it happens it's it's a natural evolution he's he's not going to be he's not going to be a surprise next season and it's going to be tougher and how many times have we seen players take you know many steps back temporary steps back by the way before rebounding as a a third year player and, and kind of really air quoting figuring it out
1: yeah. Yeah. No. And I think uh, that was actually kind of hence his situation last year, um, because after the playoff series against the Blues, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, you know, and he's made his entrance into the league. And then you saw he got a little bit more extra attention and game plan against the following year. Um,
0: and the good ones figure yeah, it out.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um and-
0: and then the last and thing it, I want to talk about. And the oh, coaching sorry.
1: staff should help them with that is all I'm saying. Um, they should.
0: They should. It's their job. You know, it's their job to help struggling players produce. You heard it here. Correct.
1: You heard it here first. Shocking news, we know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the other thing that does throw a wrinkle into all of these well laid out plans that Jim Mill has kind of put together with his cap and guys on expiring contracts and having role players ready to step in and kind of be the como and cogliano lights of the world um is the expansion draft and um you know a lot of people have been asking you know why did we re-sign anton Kudobin if jake audiger was so good which i think is a little bit of revisionist history no, a
0: little but come on man <laughs> i'm (laughs) sorry jack Jack campbell jack campbell circa you know 2015 would like a word
1: yeah so uh (laughs) i can't believe that we still even have to have this conversation but um i think one of the big reasons not only that you know i don't know he backstopped your team to the stanley cup final uh two wins away from winning the whole damn thing but um they also needed a, a veteran goaltender without a no-move-or-no-trade clause to be able to expose in the expansion draft. Yeah. Um, and actually, that is the one kink to this entire thing that I think could throw Jim Nill's entire plans off. And that's actually the emergence of Jake Oninger a little bit earlier than they probably planned.
0: Oh, um, see, I have a, I have a counter theory, and I was hoping you would, you would. Obviously, you told us that you wouldn't share any insider information or insider details, but I assume you're lying, and you'll, you'll fess up now. I, my, my pet theory is that Dallas, from an expansion draft perspective, went into the situation hoping that Hudobin would continue to be lights out, get snapped up because he is just a, a, a top of his powers. Hudobin is just the perfect. Expansion draft bait for an expansion team, right? Time, n- not a huge hit, not a ton of years, right? Enough time to find your your long-term solution, and I think the team was hoping that um, Ottinger would show them enough this year that they could, you know, a combination of Hudobin would basically play well enough to play himself off the team, but in a in a positive way. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy, so I, that's that's kind of my. You know, I, I think that they kind of went into hoping that either Pavelski or Hudobin would perform their way off the team um, via the expansion draft and, again, create a little bit more cap room for some of the tougher decisions that the Stars are going to need to make. And by the way, so, I say that I would be crushed if either player left the team, by the way. So
1: I don't disagree with your theory. <laughs> I think that was absolutely the intention. Unfortunately, I'm not sure how well Kudobin has yeah. performed in that regard. It's not that he's been bad. Um, he's been relatively decent uh, this season. But I think with the emergence of some of the younger goaltenders around the league this year, is probably going to push some veterans that maybe weren't necessarily projected to be put in the expansion draft out there. Um, and so, and I think that's where the biggest problem, biggest kink is, is, is that Seattle's going to have the opportunity to probably draft somebody better in that position. And then the question is going to become, would they be willing to pick up a player on a higher than average backup type salary to go with that goaltender? Um, and I don't know if Kudobin is it, and I will say I have no idea what Jim Nil does uh, if Kudobin doesn't get claimed. But I they mean, do I... have to take one Dallas player, and I'm not wholly convinced that if you expose Issa Lindell that they would take him.
0: Yeah, but he's, he's that, Esa's he, the, the perfect 32 hockey man guy in that everybody seems to love him. And he he has a prominent role in the team, and based on, and and this is the like I said, he's the classic like showdown between, uh, you know, management and fandom, and how very how how varied the opinions are. But you know, there's there's a, a a very vocal subset of of you know hockeydom that looks at him and says, hey, that's a great contract for a critical player. And
1: oh, absolutely. enough people
0: say it that it might be right, and I have no idea. I don't know what I'm looking at. I mean at sometimes. The <laughs> only like, thing that, I feel like I'm looking at a different player.
1: The only thing that makes me that makes me kind of question, I think had it the roles been reversed and it been Vegas looking at an East Lundell type player, I think they would have done it in a heartbeat because of that reputation that he has amongst different scouts and executives and coaches around on the league. Um, but Seattle has hired a lot of analytic oriented people. For their staff and i don't know because like you said he is like this this enigma that somehow if you watch him with your eyes you think oh he probably wasn't that bad but then you look at his underlying stats, and you're like oh my gosh how was he that bad because he doesn't look that bad on the ice um and so the eye test and the analytics test don't always match up with him and so it, that would be, for me, probably more telling of how Seattle is going to run their team, whether it's going to be based in analytics, based in the eye test, or a combination of the two. If you're looking yeah. at the Dallas roster and you say, Ethan Lindell or Anton Khedobin, which one are we taking? And they go with Lindell over
0: well let me ask you this to kind of close out the expansion conversation is there any way that joe pavelski has played himself into that conversation because he will also not have movement protection that would preclude him being taken of course he's got the contract and after last season you can look at that and say well nobody's taking you know spending seven million dollars on on the version of joe pavelski that played last regular season but starting with the playoffs onward he has been as as good a play, you know, fight me if you if you want to. But he's been as good a player as you can think of um, in the league over that stretch, scoring critical goals, you know, big goals, different places. You know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Dallas has spent plenty of time putting the likes of Henson, Robertson, with Joe Pavelski during their their kind of growth seasons. Um, so, is there any way, Taylor, that you think that all of the sudden Dallas might be thinking about being down Joe Pavelski? heading out of the expansion draft
1: see that's the thing is i could actually see dallas trying to make some kind of deal with seattle because i think if you lose joe pavelski i'm not sure that there's a free agent target that would be able to replace his production on a team that desperately needs it
0: i mean i think with it's it's that gamble of if you can you know if if you can and again i say this as a a charter member of the Joe Pavelski and Dallas fan club. He's been fantastic. Um, and I hate to see him go, but from a roster building perspective, we've talked in previous casts about, you know, the problem of, of Jamie Alexiak and do you keep him? If so, what do you pay him? And the Klingberg extension and the Miro extension, and how do you fit some of those pieces? And, you know, we talked about how important it could be to free up $4 million by letting Como and Cagliano go. Well, if, if 4 million is important, how important is 7 million, especially in a flat cap world, right? So if if you think that Gurionov has kind of figured out his yips and is going to be a productive player next season, and if you think that Jason Robertson is going to maintain at or near his levels, and if you think that you'll get a, a healthy productive season out of Tyler Sagan and maybe a little help from Delandria or elsewhere or, or even some B-level, you know, free agents in the market, like you can, you can squint and convince me that you can do more to offset the roster loss of Joe Pavelski. Um, you know, there, there could be some positives. I, mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's the ideal. I think frankly, the ideal for Dallas stars is, is after the season is for Seattle to take Anton Hudobin, but I don't know that that's going to happen.
1: Well, I think what will might throw the kink in this is, um, I know Joe Pavelski had a no-move clause, but I think that was only applicable through the end of this year.
0: It does. That's exactly um, correct. His no-move clause, his it, because it was a big deal at the time, Joe Pavelski's no-move clause expires before the point that it would factor into the expansion draft. He is... And I'm, I'm certain of this, but you know, I'm sure I'll get blown up if I'm wrong. I'm near certain that he is going to be eligible and claimable.
1: I guess my question back to you in this scenario is which would you be more pissed off if you lost next year, knowing where the team is in terms of their cup window, if you even want to call it that, which I know hockey people are like, we don't think in windows, but realistically you have windows. Um, would you be more pissed off losing Joe Pavelski for that year or Jason Dickinson? Because I think that's what it's gonna end up coming down to.
0: I mean, don't don't make me don't make me hate on my sweet baby boy. Why don't they make the whole plane out of Jason Dickinson? Like it's it's him. He's he's I, 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 I love Jason Dickinson. I love Jason Dickinson. Jason Dickinson is absolutely replaceable. Absolutely you can find, you can the Dallas Stars organization, over the last, you know, over the Jim Neal tenure, has built on the philosophy of you could throw a rock and hit Jason Dickinson in the face, but like only in
1: just, the face—that's the only place he gets hit. It's
0: the only place he's invulnerable. Stupid lower body injuries. He he has been valuable. He is a a great middle six stretch piece for this roster. He can play, you know, in stretches depending on where, you know, multiple spots in the lineup. Jason Dickinson is absolutely replaceable and. It, it's one of the in in the broader scheme right so i would be much more pissed off it, from a a roster perspective i am much more terrified of this team finding a way to replicate what pavelski does for the offense than finding a way to replicate the benefits that jason dickinson brings throughout the lineup and clearly based on his stature right clearly in the room he is a he is a player that is impossible to not admire but the the nhl is is littered with stories of teams that got kind of fixated on guys of that profile and wound up overpaying them to ill effect yeah not to not to bring everybody down by by hating on everybody's favorite Dallas stars
1: i just i think that like i don't think that they're going to have a defenseman unless they do expose isa lindell and i think this is going to be the biggest Question mark of going into the expansion draft. If you do protect Lindell, I mean, then I think that automatically means a, da- a Dickinson and even possibly erratic Foxa ends up being exposed. And Foxa, I think, is another one that, even though he had a down year relative to his own performance um, history this year, I don't know that they could replace what he does either. Yeah. I mean, I would tell you, I,
0: I would probably, you, I would probably, gun to my head, I'd probably prefer they keep Dickinson to Foxa. Um, I think I mean, I mean, Dickinson's
1: going to be cheaper.
0: I, I think Dickinson's a better player. I think Dickinson's more versatile. I think Dickinson gives you most of what Raddick does on the penalty kill and in a kind of shutdown defensive forward situation, but I think Dickinson, it's not... You know he's not going to hit 30 goals, but I think Dickinson has reasonable offensive ability. Whereas I think erratic Foxa is a he's a puck hound. That's a good thing. Um, he's a puck hound. He's a defensive player. He can win faceoffs. He does all of the little things. But I think jason dickinson gives you most of that plus a little bit more offensively and that's you know you can't you can't spot start radic fox on a top line and expect any kind of uh, a production whereas jason dickinson has shown that in, in small doses right you can put him beside two top line players and he's going to at the very least kind of keep up and and you know not not crater that line
1: can i just say that in looking at the defense roster and and who's likely going to be put forward uh for expansion draft jim Nil actually probably is is really a wizard because he's going to be able to keep the one strength of this team their blue line relatively untouched because i just think he made it so that it's just not pretty enough <laughs> like no no option is going to look good enough um I mean, you're going to have Secura exposed and you're going to have Hanley exposed. And I just, I don't know if either one of those really move the scales for Seattle in I mean, that particular position, given who might be available around the league. So, I mean, honestly, that's a little impressive.
0: It's, yeah. And you've, you've kind of brought me around and I almost hope that he exposes Lindell just as a like an FU move to leave. Like, hey, you know what? if if the let's let's put the eye test to the test right see if somebody takes him but it'll I mean, be interesting they never, but they, yeah they're in the bag for lindell they, they believe that he is vital to you know i, I think that the way it, it's pretty clear from the outside that the way that they look at john klingberg is you know it's the klingberg lindell pairing and i think that whether it's fair or otherwise i think they explain away a lot of the gross underlyings with a player like lindell by virtue of you know what klingberg gets all the gets all the offense and gets all the zone and she gets he gets all the offensive stats and and lindell gets buried by all of his time on the pk just you know soaking up attack so whether i i'm not going to opine as to whether that's accurate or true or not but they seem to have the perspective that that Lindell's negatives are amplified by the role he plays with his partner, and his positives are, you know, subdued and inobservable.
1: We didn't even get a chance to touch on Riley Damiani. Dem- Dem- Dem-
0: Dem- it's it's. Sure. We're going to do, a, pro- we're gonna we're gonna go gonna do a prospect cast. Uh, yeah, don't listen. Check the check but the he comments. Don't come to me. for Pronunciation for... <laughs> helps. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I am the last guy Riley. You
1: <laughs> I butchered it. I apologize in advance. One day I'll learn your name, I swear. Um but he packed a lot of rate? goals for sure. Uh, that sounds good. Um but he packed a lot of goals for the Texas stars this year. And, you know, like maybe maybe that's an, an outside of the box, you know, thought of coming back up and filling in and and then, you know, tied to Landria, I think, you know, he, he's on the cusp of being ready for NHL time and
0: and not just, I just NHL time. I think that they think DeLandre has offensive, uh, has has some offense in him. I don't think that they view him as a strictly, you know, defensive zone agitator guy. I don't. Again, I don't know that they're they're anticipating he'll slot right in next to Sagan and Ben. But I, I think that they view him as a guy with some upside.
1: Yeah, and so like I think that I think we're, I think by virtue of the expansion draft, by virtue of this season and the results they had by virtue of some contracts expiring and the flat salary cap. I mean, Dallas seems well positioned going into next year. Um, but I am very curious about how free agency get, is going to play into all of this because, you know, we can sit here with our little names on the board and we can rearrange the decks on the, on the boat. But um or the chairs on the deck, whatever. Wait, why do um, the Ducks
0: get to get on a boat? That doesn't seem like it's in line with COVID policies.
1: I said decks.
0: Oh, I thought you ducks. said ducks. That's my bad.
1: I was trying to say chairs on deck, but I don't know. Apologies no, to so Ryan hard. Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's having a pleasant
0: time on a boat now that he's retired.
1: Yeah, we wish him all the best. Uh, uh, thank you for not playing against us anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i going to be very curious. I, you know. As always, there's going to be a ton to talk about, Um, you know, we're we could potentially see the uh, gravestone of the Dallas Stars uh, have their end date etched in um, as early as Saturday, Thursday. What day is it? I don't even know. Their <laughs> next game, whenever it is.
0: <laughs> it's Tuesday, but it's going to be Wednesday when you listen. And if you're over the international dateline, I think it's next Thursday. So it's all, they could already be eliminated in Sri Lanka is the thing.
1: <laughs> Time is a construct and we just don't know where we are. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's a ton to talk about um, and a lot of things to dissect and to bring it kind of all full circle You know, I do hope that people take a heaping dose of humanity when it comes to evaluating the players and the staff and, you know, this team this year. Because to even get through a full season, play every game, and come out of the other side relatively unscathed, I don't know that we can say that outright because
0: no nobody this season
1: <laughs> but you know nothing catastrophic happened um and it's not the worst thing in the world that the stars didn't make the playoffs when you consider all the human elements that went into this season and the grind that it was for the players the staff and you know not being able to do literally anything because of the strict covid protocols like they can't even go sit at an outdoor patio like the rest of us can, or, you know, based on our own comfort levels. So just, I think there's a lot of the mental grind that this season was too for them. And I just hope that everybody kind of considers all of those things um, when you're talking about this season, just because these guys are humans, man.
0: They're just humans. This season sucked.
1: But like, point me in the direction of one person where the season didn't suck no, in general it's
0: universal it's just i universal. guess maybe if you're a Tampa Bay fan maybe if you like the lightning it was a pretty good season or if you're connor mcdavid he's having a pretty good year
1: yeah i mean as far as we know publicly <laughs> <laughs> but you know there's and also like I think he it's could important be hiding his pain it.
0: and shame behind those many 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 goals and points <laughs>
1: yeah i was gonna say um for
0: every tear that i have cried this year
1: i mean facts actually yeah i think that's exactly what he's doing um but you know like just remember that there are things that have been happening behind the scenes um you know that guys may have been dealing with mentally um as far as their mental health and wellness and and like just you know just have some humanity is all i ask
0: it. It's a That's simple it. request and you know we'll see. So'll we'll, we'll, we'll be talking prospects here down the stretch. We'll, we've got plenty of, un, un, of unanswered questions uh, to delve into, but the, you know at the very least we will have finality over the next couple of days one way or the other. Um, though we, we're pretty sure we know which way it's going to be at this point Taylor. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for toughing it out. Glad to see you back in the lineup and contributing.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, I contribute in other ways, of course.
0: FYI, I'm just, just a bit. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just extending the bit. Everybody's, everybody's injured. Everybody's playing through something. I stubbed my toe. It's all crazy, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> you stubbed your toe. I, it's oh
0: man, yeah, been, you know,
1: it's a hard day. It's a hard it's day be, hard, being you. It's, a hard hard
0: it's a hard year. Hard everything.
1: Hard year. Hard everything. But it's
0: gonna be okay. Tyler Sagan has a goal. All is right with the world. This has been Stargazing. Uh, thank you and good night.